Amen, amen. You can grab a seat today. Thank you so much, Pastor Matt. Thank you so much, team. Um, church, I wanted to thank you again for navigating the venue change so well. I was in Winnipeg preaching last week, and I got to watch online, online church. I was with you last week. Thank you for tuning in. So good to see you in the chat last week. Um, but you've navigated so well this season of changing venue, changing time, and we have another five weeks left at this location before we go back to our regular one, regular time, regular time, um, place, and just want to thank you. You've done so well, and we just really, really appreciate you. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, just look at a Christian. They'll have one. That's not funny, Mike. That's not funny. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, there's free Bibles outside. You can grab one on your way out. We, just, we bought those with your money, so you can just take one. Um, but you'll see it on the screen behind me in a minute. I'm going to start reading in John chapter 14. You go to John chapter 8. I'm going to read in John chapter 14. We're coming out of Easter, and we started, Pastor Matt so well started a series last week, Jesus Is. And uh, this is part two this week. And as we come out of Easter, focusing on who Jesus is, and we celebrated at the Cohen. And we had 70 commitments for Christ at the Cohen. We saw an amazing attendance, but the spirit of worship that was there was uh, inspiring. Um, but coming out of Easter, we wanted to focus in on who Jesus is. Because if you're going to follow Jesus, you better know who he is. And we just want to unpack that for a bit and encourage you. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Pastor Matt started last week with Jesus is the way. I want to just carry on this week, pick up where he left off with Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. When you say the word the, it's a very divisive term. You notice Jesus didn't say, I am a truth. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the truth. The second you say the, you've just drawn a line in the sand, and it becomes very divisive. For example, I need some feedback here. I need you to help me. Who is the greatest hockey player of all time? Somebody. Wayne Gretzky, someone else. Connor McDavid, okay, someone else. Bobby Orr, anyone else? Mario Lemieux, anyone else? Austin, did you say Austin Matthews? Wow, no one agrees with that. Okay. Isn't it amazing? There's arguments. If you go into basketball, the greatest basketball player of all time. The greatest. Somebody. Who? Kobe Bryant, someone else. Michael Jordan, someone else. No one's saying LeBron? Wow, okay. That says a lot. Greatest, the greatest band of all time. People are like, I don't want to tell you what I listen to. I can see it right now. Some of you right now are like, I want to say ABBA. Josh Forbes is a huge ABBA fan. He wants to say ABBA, but he's like, I don't, I don't want people to know that right now. It's amazing. Question time's over now. People are really excited now. They're like confident. The Beatles, help. Somebody say help, okay? Jesus here is stating an absolute truth. He's saying that he is the truth, the truth, the truth. That is so divisive when you say that. I can be impatient at times. If you know me, you know that's true. And it, this was the best impatient decision I ever made. Me and Nancy dated for two weeks before we got engaged. So some things you can't wait for. And then 10 months later we got married, and that will be 23 years next month. And uh, that was my best decision and your best decision. Um, yes, that's the answer. I've known for being very impatient at times. We started a prayer room six months ago at our offices, 
and God is doing something through the prayer rooms. I encourage you, Tuesday nights at 7.30, ladies uh, are praying at 7.30, and on Fridays, um, everyone's gathering at 6.30 in the morning before they start their day as we end our week. And we started this prayer room, and we realized early on we needed a sign outside because our offices are kind of hard to find, and it's just a small office in Bedford. And So I ordered this. I didn't tell anybody. I just went ahead and did it. I ordered this sign that says prayer room. I just ordered it online, and it showed up, and then... Um, the guy that usually does it, people that usually help me, Jordash or Brad, they were busy or I didn't ask. I was too much of a hurry. So I just put the sign up myself outside. I went to the hardware store and found something that looks like it, it, it bonds to cement. And I just put it all over it. And then I went back and just, I just, I just put it on the wall. A few days later, Brad, our, who directs our production, came by. And he's like, who put that sign up outside? I'm like, me. Why? He's like, it's crooked. It's not straight. I'm like, is it? He goes, it is. He said, what would you use to level it? I'm like, I eyeballed it. He goes, you eyeballed it? I'm like, I eyeballed it. How bad? So now you're going to come by the office, and that prayer room is crooked. If you show up on Friday morning at 630 uh, or Tuesday nights at 730, you'll see a crooked prayer room. Uh, you might go to a crooked sign, but prayer will straighten out your life. Come on, somebody. You know what I've learned is that you can't trust eyeballing it. Now, my dad had this my whole life. This is older than me. This has been the level around my house. And I realized sometimes you think things are level, but they're not. Like this podium, it's actually pretty level. <laughs> this stage is actually pretty level. If you go to the prayer sign at our office, <laughs> it's not level. You know what I've realized is that you can't eyeball things. You need to get a level. Let me ask you, what's the level that you're using for your life to make the decisions that you have. What are you using as a level? You can't eyeball it. You cannot uh, trust just to eyeball it. How do we eyeball our lives? The decisions that we're making. Because what Jesus is saying here is, listen, there are people that say there's truth. There's all these different definitions of truth. Jesus draws a line in the sand. Please don't mistake this. Jesus loves everyone. But he is inclusive in his love, but he is divisive on his identity, and he says, I am the truth. That the changes everything. You can't eyeball it. You can't trust your own view. I've realized. You squint. You look this way. I think it's straight. Do you think it's straight? You ever, you ever tried to hang a picture with your spouse? Come on, somebody. It's like, step back. Is that straight? I don't think that's straight. Come back here and close one eye. Close the other eye. You can't eyeball it. Yet we do this with our lives. We're like, well, it looks right. It looks level. The Bible talks about it in Proverbs uh, 14, 12. It says there's a path before each person that seems right. But in the end, it leads, it ends in death. It seems right. And so many people are leading their faith, leading their lives, leading their families, going, well, it seems right. And the Bible says that you can't trust your own view. It actually leads to death. Other people say, well, I don't, I don't trust my view. I'm going to go with my heart. My youth pastor always said there's two people you could never get through to that would never listen to you. It's someone who says they heard from God and someone who's in love. And I've learned he's not wrong. People say, well, I just follow my heart. Well, you say, well, I don't know. How am I going to find out what truth is? I'm going to follow my heart. If it feels right. Well, the Bible speaks to that. It says in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says the human heart is deceitful of all things. It says the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Our media, our news programs are full of what can happen when a deceitful heart, an evil heart is let loose. You can't trust your heart. People say, well, it feels right. Well, I feel this way. Here's what I've learned about feelings. Feelings are real. Some of you are feeling anxiety today. It's real. 
Some of you are feeling fear and depression. It's real. Some of you are feeling joy. It's real. Feelings are real, but they're not true. Feelings aren't facts. And so many times in my life, I'm feeling like a certain way, and I realize, you know what? That wasn't true. I feel like that person's against me. I feel like that situation's off. I feel like I have a lot to be afraid of. I feel anxious about something. And when I unpack it, I realize they're real, but they're not true. You can't trust your feelings. Church, what Jesus was saying was you just can't eyeball it. So what is directing your life today? From the back to the front, let me ask you, what are you using to direct your life? Because every choice we make is an intersection. And every intersection leads you to a destination. Your choices today determine your destiny tomorrow. So what are you using to direct your life? What are you using to raise your children, those of you with children? What's the truth you're using? What are you using to navigate your dating life, the singles in this room? What are you using to, as a, as a truth, as a level, as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a guiding light and point for how to treat your spouse? What are you using to decide what, what's right and wrong? Does behavior actually even matter? Does sexual purity matter? Who defines what purity is? Where do we get the definition, the level, the, 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 um, the right, the truth? Where do we get, to make sure we're on the right path, where do we get our truth from? Does it matter? How do we define it? We just eyeball, well, it feels right, it seems right. Everyone else says it's right. Culture says it's right. Jesus speaks to this in John chapter 8. I want to start reading in verse 31. I had you turn to John chapter 8. I want to start reading in verse 31. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth. And in John chapter 8, he unpacks it and teaches us to a bunch of Jesus followers. Now, if you're in this room, most of you in this room are Jesus followers. We like using that term more than Christians because the word Christian has been so watered down. Everybody seems to be a Christian. But when you say Jesus follower, it changes the, the discussion. We are passionate not about building a building. We're not passionate about legacy funds. We're not passionate about singing songs or me getting up and doing a TED Talk. We are passionate about following Jesus. And everything we do flows out of that heart, that goal. That's our compass. Jesus is talking to some Jesus followers here. In John chapter 8, and there's some lessons from this that I want to pull out. I want to start reading in verse 31. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. Notice that, that believed in him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you'll be, we'll be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a, a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that some of you are descendants of Abraham. And yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied. For if you're really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't Ill, uh, illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus goes for it right here. Verse 42. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. You are the children of your father, the devil. 
Wow, okay. Jesus pulled no punches. Jesus is love. Jesus also is truth. The growing preachers in the room, I recommend you don't call people sons of the devil. Just so you know. Jesus, Jesus can say it. I don't recommend you do. He goes on. I want to read verse 45. So I tell you the truth. You, na- you just naturally don't believe me. I tell you the truth. You naturally can't believe me. I want to pick a, a couple points real quick today before we um, go on with our day of how you know if you're following the truth and the enemies of the truth. It's interesting in verse 31, it says true disciples know the truth. True disciples. And that truth will set you free. The freedom we search for is found in the truth that he offers. Truth is not your prison. So many people see this scripture as a prison. Truth is not your prison. It's actually your liberator. The Bible says that his truth will set you free. And so many people go, I couldn't live by the Bible. It's a prison of rules and regulations. It would tie me up. It would bound me in. It would lock me in. It is a prison. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. What you think is a prison is actually your liberator. The truth will set you free. And some of you see these as prison walls in these pages. And Jesus goes, no, no, they're actually the key to unlocking your freedom. David Bennett The theologian says it this way, the truth you need isn't a truth in your head, it's a person you know. Jesus didn't claim to know the truth, he claimed to be truth, and that is the difference. You don't need religion, you don't need rules, what we need to be set free is a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ, and that is everything that changes. You want to know what someone believes? Don't ask them a question, watch their lives. Because our behaviors betray our beliefs. I think we could probably unify around this statement. Everyone in this room believes that drinking Pepsi and Coke is bad for you. I don't think anybody here would argue it's healthy for you. We all know drinking too much Pepsi, best case, you add uh, 10 pounds a year. Worst case, the chemicals could mess you up. We all believe, I believe Pepsi is bad for me. But my behavior... Last night with a, with, a, with a works pizza, I had two or three, four glasses of ice-cold Pepsi. You know what? Don't ask me what I believe. Watch how I live. Our behaviors, behaviors betray our beliefs. From this passage, real quick, three enemies of truth that Jesus unpacked. Because I believe as we follow Jesus, as we aim for the truth, there is freedom that he wants to bring to our lives. Three enemies of truth, real quick. Number one, in verse 44, Jesus said that... Uh, that the father of lies is an enemy of truth. Satan, the father of lies. Interesting, in the Garden of Eden, I don't have time to read it today, that Satan in the Garden didn't attack Adam and Eve with a weapon, not a sword. He attacked them with an idea. Did God say? The Bible calls the devil the father of lies. This season in world history, the battle is over truth. I've never heard fake news, spin, Check your sources, whether it be Twitter or Reuters or whether it be the Rebel News or Fox or CNN or good old Cindy Day telling the weather. We're all trying to navigate, is this true? The battle for this culture is over truth. People are saying, I'm living my truth. You go live your truth. There are no absolutes. And why are we surprised the battleground for this next generation is over defining what is truth? Jesus says one of the enemies of truth is the father of lies. And what you believe determines how you behave. And how you behave determines what you become. 
And if we can get the beliefs wrong, we'll change what people become. Jesus is the truth. The enemy's goal for our life is not a secret. He's very transparent. It says in John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. If you're wondering what the enemy's purpose is in our lives, in culture, is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why the more we walk away from his truth and his absolutes and what Jesus says, the more destruction, the more death, and, and, and the more destroying we see in people's lives, families, and culture. It's no secret. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And we all agree we want a rich and satisfying life. How does Satan destroy lives? John 8, 44. It says he is a liar and the father of lies. The enemy of truth is the father of lies. Second threat to truth in our lives Jesus was talking to people that said they were believers. These aren't people far from God. These aren't people that had nothing to do with it. They were actually believers that Jesus was the son of God. The first one was the father of lies. The second one in verse 37 was empty religion. They hold so tightly to the traditions, they held religion tighter and valued it more than the actual presence of God. They were more focused on the visual than the, and they ignored the internal. They sang praises on the outside, but they carried offenses on the inside. That is religion. Religion focuses on what people see and what you're known for, but faith goes after what you believe and what's on the inside. That's why the Bible says God looks at the heart of a man, not the outward. Not what your bio says on Instagram, Philippians 4. Not if you stand on a stage preaching in a church. Not if you sing on a worship team or come to church at 10 in the morning or 3 in the afternoon. It says he looks at the heart of a man. Religion focuses on the outside, but faith works on the inside. 2 Timothy 3.5, it says, They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. What is an enemy of truth? Empty religion. My addiction that I have been fighting my whole life is religion. Because it looks like faith. If you're not careful, you'll get fooled by it. Well, they know the right song. They know the right verses. They dress the right way. They come to the right places. And in my life, if I'm not careful, I will slip into going through the motions. I'll raise my hands. I'll sing songs. I can even get up here and preach this word. But there is no relationship inside my heart. There is no hunger for God. No making room for his presence. And I, the Bible says I am like an empty symbol just making sound in the wind. There is nothing inside of me. Empty religion fights against the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus was talking to those here that believed. But I was reminded today, reading this, that believing isn't enough. The Bible says in James 2, 19, even the demons believe. But I believe in Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus when I was a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult, in my senior years. I gave it to him at Easter or in a church, in an old church and a new church. Believing isn't enough. It says here he was talking to those that believed. The Bible says even the demons believe that Jesus is God. What he's saying here is empty religion. It says believing is not enough. It says the truth will set you free. You just have to make room for Jesus. And that is the battle we deal with. Religion makes no room for God. It's all on tradition and how and what. And it removes no room for the who. My son Josh, who just flew home last night from Vancouver um, to be with us. New iOS update on their phones. Where are my, where are my iPhone people? Android people, anyone? You're free to leave. We don't like anybody from Android here. If the text goes green, we get mean. I'm just going to let you know that. 
the new iOS on iPhone uh, download a couple months ago. Like, Josh, did you get the new update? Because you can you do all these cool features. He's like, no, I can't. I got no room on my phone. I'm like, what do you mean you got no room on your phone? He goes, I got all this music. I'm going to delete your music. Delete your playlist. He goes, I don't want to delete my playlist. I'm like, buddy, just get rid of your playlist, and you can download the new software. He's like, Dad, I don't want to get rid of my music. And what he was saying was, what I believe is what is my upgrade is not worth getting rid of what I already have. That is religion. Saying, I'm going to, conf- I'm going to stick to what I have and ignore what, I, what I'm promised. I, I don't want the upgrade. I don't want the update. I want to keep what I have. The battle in this time for truth is to make room for God. That is the battle I struggle with in my life, making room for God. I believe it's probably the many in this room as well. The third enemy of truth, as the band comes back, a false sense of security. These people listening thought they had truth. Their argument was, but we're sons and daughters of Abraham. We, 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 we were a part of the way. We're, we're, we're in the right place doing the right thing. A false sense of security is an enemy to the truth of Jesus Christ. They were actually waiting for the Messiah, for, for God to send a Savior, to save them from their sins. They were waiting for a Messiah to come to save them, but they couldn't see the Messiah standing in front of them wanting to save them. Because they had a false sense of security. The hardest people to save are the ones who don't think they need saving. It's like throwing a, a, a life vest to someone who is drowning, but they think they're in the shallow end of a lazy river at a resort. They'll take the life preserver or the life jacket and go, I don't need that. And you see them drowning in a storm. The hardest people to reach are those that think they're saved, that think they're stable. They have a false sense of security. Canadian Christianity, I'm talking to Canadians, though we have people online from all over the world. Canadian Christianity often lures us into a false sense of security. I'm talking to myself today. Canadian Christianity says if you go to church, if you have community, you give a little bit of money, you do good, you'll be blessed and saved. And it lures us into this security that we're good. And when Jesus speaks to us to direct us or correct us, we're like, well, it's not for me. I'm good. I'm in a small group. I'm on the dream team at church. I have community. I I do good. And a false sense of security is an enemy of truth. False sense of security causes no more hunger, no more passion for God. I'm good. Man, we had these experiences in my 20s, man, where I, I felt God's presence and I gave my life to God. And then we go through our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and going, no, no, I got no more hunger for God. I'm good. It's a false sense of security. No more hunger for God. No more looking to get, get to know more of Jesus. And we settle for attending church or serving in church. And it's a false sense of security. No desire for prayer. Settle for attending a service instead of having God move in your life. Focus on leading others in what we already know instead of asking God to lead us in the seasons that we do not yet know. That is a false sense of security. I'm good. In my life, I start realizing I'm struggling with the truth in my life, but I'm like, you know what? I don't really have a desire to pray. They introduce a new worship song. I don't really like that one. I kind of like the one we sang last year. I'm more comfortable with what I know. When I feel God starting to kind of put a little pull on my heart as I'm doing a marathon on Netflix. And God's like, 
just shut it off for a minute. I just want to just speak to your life about that panic and anxiety that you feel. Let me just speak some truth into your life. And I'm just like, I just, but there's four more episodes. I got to see if Wrexham makes it to the next league. Just let me just get through this. I'll see you on Sunday at church. I'll be the one setting up pipe and drape. Come on, I'm faithful. You don't make room anymore. So focus on leading others that we don't ask God to lead us. These listeners had no more room for truth because they thought they already had it. Luke 4, 46. Jesus says this, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? That's truth. Don't ask someone what they believe. Watch how they behave and it will betray their beliefs. I believe you can come to God just as you are. You don't need to behave right. You don't need to believe right. You don't need to belong in God's presence. God will save you just as you are. You don't need to earn it. You don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to get sober. You don't need to give any money. God will meet you where you are. But I've known this. When you encounter the truth of Jesus Christ, it changes your life. You look like Jesus. You act like Jesus. He says, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? Everyone wants a Savior. But few want a Lord. Save me from my sin. But don't lead me in my relationships. Save me from my regret. But don't tell me what job to apply for. Jesus said, I am the truth. The truth is obeying Jesus, following his Lord, master, boss, saves us. And that truth will set us free. Our behaviors betray our beliefs. We're going to sing this song in a moment as we close. Here's what I want you to do today. I want you to think for a moment if there's a behavior off in your life. Because it speaks to a belief that's out of line. No one knows the real you. You're like, I know in private I think this way. I, I do this thing. I, I have this judgment. I have this attitude. I have this goal. I have this craving. If a behavior is off, it speaks to a belief that's off. And Jesus says, if you believe, and if you follow me as Lord and do what I say, if you follow my instructions, the truth will set you free. And in a culture bound up with thoughts and fears and preferences and desires and opinions, we've never had more information and we've never been more fearful and more violent. Information is not what's going to free us. Following Jesus, the truth, he said, will set us free. The freedom we desire is in the truth that he is. All over this place, can you just close your eyes for a moment? The team's going to lead us. Here's what I want you to do in response to this message as we get ready to close. I'm talking to you, sir. I'm talking to you, ma'am. You may have been in this journey for 50 years. Maybe you're one of our dream team members. Maybe you're on our staff. I know I need this. Take a minute. We're going to sing about making room. And take a minute and ask God to bring anything to mind that you're believing a lie. Maybe it's a false sense of security. Maybe it's you've been listening to the enemy of your soul. Maybe it's empty religion. And he'll put a finger on something on your heart that he wants to correct.
And here's how you know it's God. It won't push you down. You won't feel guilt. You'll feel hope. It's like a prison door opening and a crack of freedom. You feel, oh God, free me from my anxiety. Free me from my opinion. Free me from my cravings. Free me from my past. And he'll lead you into his future. So as the band sings this song, just quietly where you're sitting, I just want you to ask God, God, would you point out in my life anything that is a lie that I'm believing? And then make room for him. Come on, worship team. What are we building on? What are we leveling? Are we just eyeballing it going, seems right. Tucker Carlson said it's right. CNN said it's right. My body says this. My mind says this. My friends say this. Culture says this. My school says this. My pastor says this. No, no. What does Jesus say? Well, I feel this way. No, no, no. What does Jesus say? I feel this way. I think this way. They said this. No, no. What does Jesus say? Don't eyeball it. Don't eyeball it. The level, Jesus said, I am the truth. He goes on to say that if you build your life on this truth, on me, come storms, come waves, come tide, come, come trials, you will stand. I am thankful to be standing on a stage that is level today. I'm thankful this building was not built by just eyeballing it or it's, I don't feel like putting that support in. I don't feel like doing the extra work. No, no, there is a way that seems right, but God has a plan for your life. Don't eyeball it. Jesus is the way and the truth. 
If he put something on your heart today, he put his finger on something in your life today, he wants you simply to give it to him and make room for his truth. And he says that truth, that room you make will set you free. The freedom that you crave is found in the truth that he is. Come on, can we all stand to our feet today? Pastor Matt, I want you to lead us in this today. Can we sing this as a declaration in this place, as a sign of making room for the truth of God all over this place? Come on, let's sing. says who the son sets free is free indeed there's freedom available amen let me bless you today as we go father i thank you holy spirit that you are still setting people free god we move from just believing to obeying we move from just attending to making room so father right now we just make room we confess the areas we believe the lie we've trusted on our own sight our own heart and we make room for your truth and so god i pray right now freedom would rush in Addictions would leave, mindsets would change, relationships would heal, paths would be altered. We speak freedom in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said, 
Amen. I want to bless you, church. We love you. Next Steps is happening right now. If you're a guest, would you please stop by the big yellow wall? We'll see you back here next Sunday at 3 p.m. We love you. Online church, we love you. God bless you. We'll see you soon.